Hey, I'm on the air. This is the D Hour Radio Network, and we are the next chapter. Our auspicious co-host, Joy Joy, she is not available today. She is occupied, so we're going to get it in, play music, we're going to talk, we're going to do what we do, and that's all we're going to do. So right now, we're going to hit it off with some good times, because we're going to talk about some good times, and rock Let's hit it.
Sheik. Good times, a throwback. And I said, we're going to have some good times. This is the D-Hour Radio Network. And this is the next chapter radio show. Hosted by A-Town and the lovely Joy Joy. Joy Joy is off, so I'm going renegade. I'm doing whatever I want, however I want, whenever I want, however I want. Two hours. So we're going to play music. But one of my things, one of my passions is mental health. The other one is people of color. So we're going to talk about mental health and people of color in no specific order, just how it comes to my head. But we're also going to play music that is relevant to it. So the next jam I'm about to get into is by the lovely Miss Erica Badu. And even though this is about sisters, it's also a message to all people. You got to be careful how you carry your life around and what you carry your life in because it will affect you. So let's rock out with some bag lady and we're going to get into the happenings for the day. Bag lady, you gonna hurt your back.
as Erebadu bag lady. Yes, indeed. Too much stuff in the bags going to be a drag. But let's get into the format because I'm not going to go totally renegade. Our format is we always do a welcome to talk about the week. Welcome. I'm A-Town. I'm host of the next chapter of the D-Hour Radio Network. My co-host, Joy Joy, has got prior engagement, so she's not going to be here. But shout out to Joy Joy. I wish you were here. I love your energy. We bounce off each other real nice. Everything was wonderful. So since Joy Joy is not here, I'm assuming it's is wonderful. Her, her life is blessed, and she's handling her business to her fullest. Therefore, that is Joy Joy's check-in for the week. My check-in for the week. Things have been hectic, but in all that my father said, all I need is air in my lungs to be ready to do what I need for the next day. That's what I need. The basis of everything is breath and life. And all things, I'm good, I'm blessed, and I'm loved. I'm working, and I'm working hard, and I'm doing what I do. So what I've done this week, I finished the book of poetry. Uh, I've contacted a friend, you know, who's in um, writing screenplays, and him and a couple other people have written some episodes famous TV show, so I got some screenplays and things I want to shop, so I'm doing all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm looking to finish my play, and I'm also looking to finish my next book, Jesus Wept, which is just a book about perspectives on Jesus' life and our humanity. So yeah, that's what I'm in. So my, my rule for life is, for every negative thing that happens, do two positive things. So, as you see, things have been happening. But in the it's not that I'm not going through It's how I'm going through And that's what we need to realize Everybody goes through something And that in the history of this world There's nothing that you're going to go through That someone hasn't went through On the same level In the same manner And the difference between those who come out successful And those who don't come out Is how you carry it So we're going to talk about that a little bit later So like I said, my week was good Everything is wonderful you know, the weekend was relaxed. I ate me some soy ice cream, watched a couple of shows, I finished up some work, and now I'm moving on. The next thing we talk about is our affirmation. My affirmation for the day is live life, enjoy life, do what you do. Live life, love life, do what you do. And that's my affirmation. My, aff- my other affirmation is I'm going to get this in. This is going to be a fun hour and 45 minutes that I got left. What else am I doing? That was my affirmation. Previous show. The previous show, if you didn't listen to the previous show, you really need to check it out. The previous show, we talked about pain and fear and how they can manifest in your life, but how to deal with them, how to overcome them, reframe them and redefine them. So when they come, you know what to do with them and you know how to work it. So that's what I'm talking about. It's about that kind of understanding. So that was last week's show. And I'm saying, in the middle of it, I get something too. So I got something out of the show based on what I was saying and the things that we talked about, the stuff that Joy Joy presented. So to understand, to summarize last week, basically what we said was, Pain and fear are signs, right? They are not stop signs, 
And they are not into the world signs. They are signs. And you have to learn how to read the signs to know what you should do next. And so everybody talks about like, well, you know, I wish I couldn't feel pain and pain is so terrible. But there is a disorder called, um, I forgot what's it called, chronic analgesia or chronic insensitivity to pain. And people who don't feel pain at all, they bruise and hurt themselves for most of their lives. And I think the average lifespan is 30. And they die because they've done so much damage to their body in those 30 years that the body can't sustain it anymore. Where if they could have felt pain, they would have known when to quit. They would have known when to reframe and how to change things so when they did stuff, it didn't hurt so much. And so that's what we talked about last week. And again, you can check it out. Go on the archives. Go to Blog Talk Radio. Click on the D-Hour um, Network. And then click on Next Chapter. And you can listen to the um, previous shows. One was on pain. The other one was on what? Dating. Republican or Democrat? Yes. That was funny. Because I'm not saying all of that stuff. But it's interesting conversation. And if it's to be talked about, I will talk about it. So remember, check last week's show about pain and what we were talking about is pain as a sign and a limit and to take it as a stop sign but to learn to read and reinterpret pain and then we also touch on the spiritual aspect of pain because in the Christian ethos the belief is that you will never be tested above what God is able not not God able you'll never be tested above what God believes you're able to take, which means if you go by that ethos, anything that you're being tested on, God knows that you have the strength to overcome. So therefore, the level of suffering and pain that you go through is commensurate or tantamount to the amount of faith that God has in you to overcome it. So the greater the pain and the struggle, the greater the belief and understanding that God has of you, you can conquer it. So then we don't look at pain as a negative thing that puts us down. We look at pain as this is a testing ground. When you take a class, how do you know you retain the material? You take a test. When you build something and it's supposed to hold something up or carry out a certain task, how do you know if it can do it? You test it. But we have tended to reframe our tests as these negative things that happen to us because we've done something wrong in life. Like Job's in the beginning, we question what we did when we started losing everything. And what happened to Job was directly proportionate to how much faith and trust God had in Job to stand fast and to live through that pain and prove his relationship with him. So in the same thing, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, pain is still a pain and fear are still signs and limits, and you have to learn to read them. So you can handle them better And that's our previous show So now we're going to get into Hot topics but again I'm into whatever I'm doing so I can just switch it around However I want to switch it around So right now we're going from hot topics. Well no we're going to get to the Hot topic but we're going to listen to some music First and then Erica Badu I don't know why Bag Lady got me in a romantic Mood don't know Kind of strange got to figure it out but in the meantime, we have some troop, because I used to 
Love this jam. And we're going to get into some troop and a couple of the slow jams. And then we're going to get back into hot topics, news for the day. I think I didn't hit play. Let's try that again. I can't wait to 
was true. All I do is think of you and also the deal two occasions. Two dope jams. And I'm talking about dope jams. Them is what they call baby making music. And yeah, we're going to get into mental health and we're going to get into love because I just love and when I start playing the song, like, we're going to talk about love and mental health. I got a lot of time to do it. So, we do have topics, but to be truthful, I don't keep track of all of that stuff. I don't know what's going on. A friend on Facebook had a post about Steph Curry's wife and something or the other, and I had no idea. I still don't know. So, I'm trying to find a hot topic, and I'm going to find one in the next four minutes and 21 seconds while we listen to Anita Baker's Sweet Love, and then we're going to get into the hot topic because I don't know what it is right now because all I do is work, play with my kids, and then write and do art. So I'm going to find something hot and juicy to talk about or I'm going to make it up. And what I will do is make I give a plan so everybody know that it's real. But you're listening to the D-Hour Radio Network. This is the next chapter. And the key to next chapter is talking about the next chapter and we're talking about moving on since my co-host George is off today, I'm gonna just do what I want to. So we got a new baker coming up. We love some next chapter stuff when we talk about love and we talk about love. Right now, it's just excuse me, the A-Town show. Next chapter. Stay with me 
Okay. On to the hot topic. One thing I found searching the internet, the news sucks. It is so much depressing mess on these headlines. It made me want to throw my phone out of the window. But then we can't do hot topics, and then I have to get a new phone, and then that's going to cost me too much money because phones are expensive now. I mean, really expensive. I mean, they're rent expensive. Like the iPhones, I think you have to mortgage your house, sell a kidney, and get one of your children to get that thing. It is ridiculous. But on the phone, what I noticed was there is a whole lot of shootings going on. Whether it's public shootings or shootings, police or shootings in just in in, um, in public places, it's a lot of killing going on. And at the heart of the killing are guns. And now I know, you know anybody who you know believes in the Second Amendment. When I say I, I'm not saying that the Second Amendment and thinks about rationally believes the second amendment like it is a scripture you have a problem with this i don't care i'm into truth and if you're not into truth this is the wrong show to be listening so like i said a lot of violence a lot of gun stuff going on and so now the argument becomes should we regulate guns should we take people's guns and everybody says well the second amendment is and we're into the second amendment so there are a couple problems I have with the argument for guns. One is circular reasoning. Circular reasoning means you justify the answer as the premise or the question. For instance, if I say, should people have invisible dogs? And the answer from you is, well, because people have invisible dogs, we need invisible dogs. Well, well, your answer assumes that the question is real, and therefore that's the answer. But that doesn't work. It's circular reasoning because you're walking in circles. You ask a question of something should be, and you state something should be, and that's why it should be. So, saying that the only thing that stops a bad man with a gun is a good man with a gun, circular reasoning, because it assumes that people have guns. And the question is, should people have guns? And then I'm like, what do they need them for? And the question becomes, well, I don't have to have a reason. It is my right. Well, let's deal with that. First of all, a right to a gun was established in a time where there were such things called militias. And armies weren't these gigantic bohemists that live today. And so the people, socialites, all the way down to the proletariat, having guns actually provided a way for tyranny, or tyranny, depending on how you want to say it, and just a government running roughshod over you and you having any resource to submit. So nowadays, we have things like drones and missile strikes and, you know, the Green Berets and the Rangers and Delta Force. And you can take all the guns you want. And it's not going to stop anything. So, to protect freedom, freedom is pretty much dead based on the government and the army that decides they want to exact it. 
just a moot point. I mean, we're talking about foreign extremes. Let's get down to just guns. Guns are only used to kill and destroy stuff. And so if you got a legitimate reason to kill and destroy something, you don't need a gun. And for those people who say, well, it won't work because you can get rid of all the guns, there have been countries that have had mass shootings where people had guns, which was obvious because there was a shooting. And they instituted rules banned on guns. There's never been another mass shooting. So, world politics and information show me yes, you can ban guns and to be successful because you can't shoot anybody if you don't have any weapons. That's just the way it goes. And then second, the Constitution is a living, breathing entity that changes. It used to be constitutional on people who look like me. It is now unconstitutional. It used to be constitutional to die to deny everybody the right to vote except white male landowners. Now that's not constitutional. So when we constitutional, we have to ask constitutional in a moral way, constitutional in um constitutional in an institutional way. And if we're talking about an institutional right and a moral right, it therefore is dangerous. And we can change it. And people are having arsenals to the point where they can't even keep them from their kids. And the kids are going shooting up the kids. Yeah, I don't want to hear. And also, there are limits to all rights. There's a limit to our freedom of speech. We have slander. We have libel. We have riots. We have all of these things that are in place. I say these things because I don't know the word, but all these statutes in place that limit free speech because we understand speech, even though it's free, can harm and impose on other people's rights. And so we even acknowledge that my right to speak can be inhibited if it imposes on someone else's right. So I'm thinking, if my right to own a gun can impose on your right to live, then can be limited in my access to guns. And my thing is this anyway. This love and access to guns debate is um, controversial, is sickening to me. Because we have children dying and we have people justifying owning guns. Even with the defense of our children. Yeah, if you want to kill yourself, that's your choice. But when you kill innocent children, you kill, uh, not just innocent children, but children, you kill people who are innocent. When you can justify owning guns with put any real limits on it to protect, uh, yeah, to me, you're kind of deranged and sick because now you're putting an object before life. And again, all of your rights are inhibited. You can drive your car, but if you go too fast, you get a ticket. You can cross the street, but if you cross the wrong place, you get a ticket. You can speak, but if you say the incorrect thing in an illegal manner, you can go to jail. You can be fined. There are a whole lot of rights you have. You have a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. If in exercising those rights, you violate someone else's rights, you have to pay for it. And so I don't understand how every right that we have has a limit delimiter, governor, whatever you want to call it, it. but the one thing that nobody wants to put a limit on, a delimiter on, a governor on, are guns. That's stupid to me. 
And if you like guns more than you like life and people and the safety of life and people, you're stupid to me. And I can say that because I'm the only one on the show. And this is the D-Hour Radio Network. And my views are not necessarily views of the D-Hour Network or anybody affiliated with it. It is just me. So with that, my hot topic is killing guns in the world. We don't need them. They need to go away. They are enough for the hindrance. And unless you have a legitimate reason to have a gun, you shouldn't have a gun. There and, and it's like even if you're the target, you're destroying something. There is no productive outcome using a gun unless you're hunting for food. Even then you have to kill something. There is no positive with a gun that does not include a negative for something or someone. And in most things other than hunting for food, the only thing you're going to get with a gun is destruction of property, of people, and the taking of life. And if this thing, well, I'm a therapist, we can get you in and we can talk to you about that. So instead of having guns on the brain, Let's reframe. And again, this is about a love show on mental health. And believe me, if you are that into guns where you believe that any, any thing that inhibits your free access to as many kinds of guns as you can have and as many guns as you can have, you do have a mental issue that I'm willing to talk to you about. But instead of having guns and bullets, let's do something a little bit lighter and more fun. Let's have Love on the break.
just to get close to you Cause we're burning someday And I'll run for miles just to get a
That was Marvin Gaye to play. Before that, we heard Man in the Mirror by MJ, the man, Michael Jackson. And before that, we heard You on the Brain by Rihanna. They're great songs. And like I said, the topic is going to be mental health. We're not going too deep into it because I don't have anybody to bounce off of. And I don't want to get too didactic, so we can do a little talking, a little bit of music. But it's important. But black people, people of color, brown people, Latino people, to understand what therapy is and isn't. I am uniquely qualified. <clears throat> and when I say uniquely, I mean I'm the only person, but uniquely as in specialty and specificity to talk about what therapy is. Because I have a bachelor's in psychology, I have a master's in counseling psychology, and I'm ABD of a dissertation, which means I finished my program and I've I finished my un, un, um, my pre-doc hours. I just have to finish my dissertation in my doctorate in applied clinical psychology, and so I've been taught what therapy was, and for the last years, I've worked as a assistant in the state of California under a licensed psychologist doing therapy and neurofeedback. So not only do I know what it is, I do it. So let's talk about myths. <clears throat> and I apologize, I'm coughing a little bit. I have allergies and it didn't act up until I really started this show and I didn't take an allergy pill. And I guess I should when I was playing music take an allergy pill, but I didn't. So I'm going to cough a little bit. I'm human. Forgive me. So, <clears throat> myths about therapy. Therapy is not, is not some witch doctor stuff. It is not people trying to figure out, you know, get in your head and make you think things. It's, it is not any kind of like coercion or collusion. I like that word because that's a big word. Coercion or collusion to get you to act or do a certain thing. Like you're not going to go to therapy and somebody give a magic word and go around committing crimes or doing things you're not supposed to or like have like what conversion therapy. Conversion therapy is not therapy and it's something that somebody made up because they put their views into the pseudo-scientific world of mental health. And they pseudo-scientific because everybody is different. Like Biology. Everybody's blood cells are blood cells, whether whatever type you have. <clears throat> and no matter who you go to, it's going to be the same. It's not the same with mental health. Anxiety in one person is going to manifest different anxiety in another person. There's going to be some overlap, but there's going to be some uniqueness. <clears throat> I call it pseudoscience because it is not exact. But nonetheless, it is a so, myth, no, it's not some witch doctor stuff. It's not some covert plot to turn you to get you to act a certain way. It's not neutering or spading personality or who you are. It's not breaking you down or taking your beliefs or your belief system. It's not to change you culturally or socially. That's not it. <clears throat> Going back to Freud, I know he does negative stuff about Freud, but actually, I thought the same. I actually read Freud. He was a drug addict. He did have some quirky things. 
and he did have some nuances based on his um, upbringing and time that he lived that we say colored his views and his philosophies. For instance, he lived during the time of sexual repression, so you have the sexual aspect of his But you later get an Erickson who does more of developmental and not um, sexual, the um, psychosexual aspect of it. Nonetheless, the basis for what Freud said was therapy is a talking cure. In other words, Freud believes is if you have some well-skilled listeners who are armed with a myriad information of how people work and things that we go through, had knowledge that was not common to all people, they could sit down and through talking, people work themselves out of their psychosis into a healthy state. And again, it wasn't talking about fixing you. I think it was Freud who said, our job is not to stop you from being unhappy, it's to stop you from being unnaturally unhappy so you can be naturally unhappy. In other words, our job as therapist, and it's not to make you perfect. It's just to take you out of the state of dysfunction that you're in that you can't get out of without sort of assistance so you can just get to normal dysfunction. In other words, everybody is paranoid at one point. Everybody has an irrational at one point. Everybody gets jealous or upset at one point. Everybody gets sad at one point. But the things that mark psychosis or disorder Remember these three things, uh, frequency, duration, and intensity. <clears throat> so frequently, it happens often. Intensity means it happens deep, and duration means it lasts a long time. Those are the three markers for disorder, disease, whatever you want to call it. We call them disorders now. But the maladaptive behaviors that turn into diagnoses have those things, intensity, duration, and frequency. And then they have to be clinically significant. In other words, they have to negatively impact some form of your functioning, whether it's social, um, familial, romantic, um, employment. So what happens is if you don't have frequency, duration, and intensity, and something is not negatively impacting your ability to function on one of the previous mental, um, mentioned levels, you don't have a disorder. You just have a regular old problem. Now, you still might need therapy to work through it, but that's just about therapy. Everybody.
Yeah. That was Mary J. Blige and JB. Be happy. And I have to say, I apologize. My connection was spotty and I kept getting disconnected. So I don't know how much you heard. I just looked at my computer and it's like, you are no longer connected. So I hit Mary and Mary saves the day like she does. Go ahead, girl. So I'm back. I don't know where we got disconnected. So. I was explaining, I was talking about Freud, and I was talking about disorders. 
And so I want everybody to get this straight. There's not a disorder that does not appear some way in a smaller form in everybody's life. So in other words, like we're saying, everybody has a paranoid thought every now and then. Everybody has a, a, a delusion of grandeur thought where you think you're greater than you are at the time. Everybody has a, a depressive moment in their lives. But the difference between an emotion and an emotional state and a disorder are, like I said, frequency, duration, and intensity. If it's not frequent, if it's not intense, and if it doesn't last a long time, it does not go into the level of disorder or psychosis. <clears throat> so just because you're sad doesn't mean you're depressed. Depressed, think about this. There's water. And then you have, like, the shallow end, and you have the deep end. Think of that pool like your emotions. The shallow end is sadness. The deep end is depression. Yes, they are all on a continuum. Yes, they're similar. <clears throat> no, they're not the same. So just because you're sad doesn't mean you're depressed. And I'm talking about clinically depressed. And again, the one thing that we look for when we talk about a disorder is does it significantly impact some or all parts of your life? If it is not negatively impacting you, <clears throat> if it's not causing you distress, then it's not technically qualified as a disorder. Now, it might be something you might want to work on and that you want to come to therapy for. But the diagnosis of depression is not going to happen just because you're sad sometimes. And there is a thing called, it used to be called dysthymia, but now it's called persistent depression dis disorder, and that's when you have a low-grade level of depression for an extended period of time, years, right? But then it has to be consistent, right? So we're talking about frequency, duration, intensity, and does it significantly impact your life. That's how we know it's a disorder. Got that? So that's it. And I'm going back to what I said because I don't know if I got cut off. Freud, and like I said, he did have some drug problems. He did grow up in a sexually oppressive time, and so he did come up with the psychosexual levels of development, you know, the genital, the anal, the oral, all that kind of stuff. And then Erickson came up with the developmental, talking about the different developmental challenges you have at different parts of your life. And what it boils down to, therapy, as Freud said, is just a talking cure. It's somebody who was paid to be a listener and a skillful responder. That's what a therapist is. A therapist is someone <clears throat> excuse me, who studies human behavior, all aspects of it, learns to recognize patterns, learns to recognize red flags, learns to recognize nuances that most people are not aware of, and then use all of that information to help you become better in tune with you and to become a better version of yourself. That's all it is. It's not witchcraft. It's not sneaky. It's not a white man's ploy <clears throat> to make you white. You know, unlike the conversion therapy, it's not trying to make gay people straight, you know, or Muslim people Christian or vice versa. 
that's people interjecting their views and their concepts into something. <clears throat> but that's not how it's taught. As a therapist, you are now taught to be culturally competent. You are also taught to be ethnically and socially competent. So in other words, if you are going to do therapy with someone who is LGBTQ or someone who is Asian or someone who is a Pacific Islander or someone who is African American, the ethical standards require that you become knowledgeable of the culture and of the nuances of whatever they're presenting or they come with so you can give them proper treatment. And if you can't do that, you are ethically required to refer to them, refer them to someone who can. So how you get how people practice it is different than how it's taught. And again, for all those saying that's not the way it is, remember I got a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and I'm ABD on my doctorate degree, which means I finish all my courses, I've done my pre-doc hours, and all I have to do is finish my dissertation to be a doctor. So this is not conjecture. This is not something that I read on a website. This comes from years and years of education and a whole lot of student debt. So understand, when we are talking about disorders and mental health, there is a past, just like America has a past. And how America looks now is not how it looked then when it, when, you know, when it first, you know, when Europeans first got here. And then it didn't look like how it looked when the indigenous people were here. So America has went through many changes, most of them violent and cruel, but that's the way it is. And so if you look at America now, it is not indicative of how it was and how it began. And if you look at America starting from the time that Europeans came here, it's not indicative of how it looked before then. So what happens is we can't judge what something is now and what something is then. Well, I'm, I'm mixed it up. Let me stop. We can't judge what something was before based on what it is now. We have to go back to where it was, see how it is, and then make judgments of both sets of times <clears throat> based on that information. So, in the beginning, yes, psychology, psych, um, the psychiatric place, that in the psychiatric field, were white, and they were white men white. So, let me explain. In psychology, mental health, psych, psych, um, psychiatry, we study people. And so to study people, you get a bunch of people together. You look for patterns. You look for behaviors. You look how different um, different psychoses and, and different attitudes manifest. And then what we have, we basically have what's called normalizing or norm. So if we got a thousand people who acted one way, or and, um, and then we had like 25 who acted a different way, then we can say, okay, with 1,025 people, a majority of them act this way. So this is a norm. So the way it worked was, in the beginning, everything was normed basically on middle-aged white men. So it wasn't this insidious plot where, where we're going to make everybody white men. It was just, it was controlled by white men. It was normed on white men. So when they tried to enforce 
these rules of behavior or these norms, it was based off of middle-aged white men. And so, yes, in theory and in practice, what they were doing was basically trying to turn everybody of every gender and ethnicity into a middle-aged white man because that was considered normal. That was considered, you know, the standard. But now that's not true. Now, mental health studies, they do their best to require that the people you norm it on are representative of the population that you're going to be serving. So in other words, if you serve in America, they want you to get a pop, uh, a sample or a group of people that is representative of America. So when you say, okay, this is what we found, you can say, well, based on the group of people we have, then these findings are fit for these people because they were included in it. And if you do something specific, like say we're talking about how stress manifests on professional athletes, then that has to be delineated from how stress manifests on people outside of professional athletics. Because you have to say, listen, this was dormed, or the people we used to do this study were all professional athletes. So now we're going to say this is generalized or it's applicable to professional athletes. And so now studies, when they are used on the general population of America, they're ethically responsible to get a group of people who are representative of the makeup of America. We're talking about age, gender, ethnicity, all of that. And if they don't, then they can't generalize those findings to everybody. They have to be like, well, this is based off of this norm in this population. So now we're not trying to turn everybody into middle-aged white men. So, no, that is not it. And, again, we give a lot of people too much credit. Oh, this was an insidious plot to make everybody white. No, it wasn't. It was just arrogance, and arrogance mixed with power equals screwed-up policy. And so we give a lot of credit for this insidious plan, but it wasn't an insidious plan. It was arrogance. It was ignorance coupled with power, which is why certain people are so dangerous, because they have arrogance and they have ignorance and they have a power to dictate that to the people under them. And the more people they have under them, the more negatively affects. So, no, it was not an insidious plan to turn, you know, mental health was not an insidious plan to turn everybody into white men and white people. It was just the way it came from ignorance and arrogance and power. So that's one of the myths. Another myth is, you know, we're going to get inside your brain and we're going to just manipulate you. That's not it. That If you're weak-minded, you can't be manipulated, but then if you're weak-minded, you can be manipulated by anybody. So, again, therapy is just about skillful communication and interaction to help you identify the problems that you're having and find ways inside of yourself to work through those issues and then also set a foundation for being able to do it outside of therapy. So here's another um, thing that we do, therapy versus counseling. Counseling and therapy are similar, but therapy is usually more broad. Counseling, you come in and you deal with a problem. Okay, I have a problem, you know, filling out job applications. So counseling, they're going to look at your filling out job applications. They're going to come up with 
some solutions. They're going to talk to you about it. You're going to process it, and they're going to get you to fill out those applications. And once you fill out those applications, you're done. That's it. Counseling is very specific. You find a problem. You deal with that problem. You analyze that problem. You break that problem down. You solve that problem. You go on your way. The difference between counseling and therapy is therapy doesn't fixate on your problem. Therapy fixates on why do you have that problem? How did you develop that problem? And do those traits that fit that um, that um, feed into that problem feed into other problems? So now I'm not just interested in that problem. I'm interested in the mechanism, the functioning of yourself that actually creates that problem, and I want to address that so you don't create not only this problem that you came in with, but any more problems. Difference in therapy. Therapy is more broad, and it gets deeper into your inner workings because we don't just want to know what you're doing. We want to know why you're doing it. We want to know how it developed. We want to get to the place where who developed it, and did that person who helped develop it or persons helped develop it instill anything else? Difference between therapy and counseling. In counseling, they want to help you work through that problem. So if you have a problem filling out job applications, counseling will help you figure that out. Hey, I have a strategy. And if I I ever have problems filling out applications, I know what to do. Therapy wants you to say, you know what? Anytime I have any problem that resembles this, I know what to do. So it's not specific. It's it's broader and it's more in depth. And that's why it gets more into your life. And so that's what therapy is about. Therapy is to get into your meaning-making machine, as Ellis would call it, <clears throat> into your cognitive, cognitive distortions, as Beck would say, and then get inside those things and figure out what's going on. And then Hans Pearls from Gestalt would say, you know what, let's get into your parts and understand that the sum total of your parts is greater than just adding your parts together. It is just gestalt or gestalt, as I say, because gestalt, this sounds really rough. It is what happens when all of these parts of you come together into you. And so that's what therapy is. There's different approaches. There's CBT, there's RBT, there's REBT, there's DBT, there's psychodynamic, there's gestalt, you know what I'm saying? There's narrative, there's psychodynamic, psychodrama. I mean, and I'm, I'm just overlapping, just throwing stuff together now, but there's a myriad of approaches. And so what you do is you work through the approach that's best for you. And there's different levels of providers. You have MSWs, you have MFTs, so you have social workers, you have marriage and family therapists, you have forensic psychologists, and they deal with more of the population that um, have trouble with the law. So that's why you have forensics, forensic psychology. They do testing to see whether someone is going to maybe repeat a crime, like the likelihood of them doing something after they get out of jail, their competency to stand trial. Then you have like applied clinical. So there's many different variations of therapists. And so you need to know what, you're looking for so you need to know so you can figure out what kind of therapist you want to get and you know and what level do you want to get someone on a master's level or a doctorate level because both of them can do therapy both of them can diagnose one is more in depth so and the difference and let me explain this too the difference between 
a psychologist and a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor. They go to medical school. So for all of you people who have friends who are psychologists who come up, write me a prescription. We can't do that without medical doctors. And for us to be able to do it, we would have to add a medical component onto our doctor degrees, which is going to add major years, and then I just drop out because I ain't doing all of that. But a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. They go to medical school. That's why they can prescribe medicine. Psychologists, we don't go to medical school. We have training. Like we would do um, the um, physiological um, um, roots or at about the, physio- the physiological roots of behavior, and we'll do like psychopharmacology. But those are classes. Those are not curriculums where we're getting in-depth. So we get an overview. Psychiatrists, they're medical doctors. They're supposed to know. So they prescribe. And so you need to know whether you want medication or you want therapy. If you just want therapy, you don't have to go to a psychiatrist because you can get therapy from uh, uh, um, any one of the other people I missed, the MSW, the MFTs, or um, the psychologist. If you want meds and therapy, you can go to a psychiatrist. But most psychiatrists are going to give you meds and then refer you to a psychologist. But if you want everything in one place, go see a psychiatrist. If you want both, and you don't mind them being in different places, then go see a psychiatrist and a psychologist. There you go. And so, again, therapy, like I said, is not this big mystery where it's like you don't know what you're getting into. Literally, all we do is study human behavior. We do studies to see how people react in myriads of situations, and then we come to conclusions, and we use those conclusions to help people learn how to function. So, that's a breakdown. I've done a lot of talking. Let's go into a little bit of music. Let's get into some most deaf. And then Miyumi, um, because it's not Miyumi, but it's called Umi. And then um, we're going to get back into talking.
Sometimes I don't want to be bothered. Sometimes I just want a quiet life. Me and my baby, me and my lady. Sometimes I don't want to get in the snowball. Sometimes I don't want to be a soldier. Sometimes I just want to be a man. Pull me safe, shine your light on the world. Shine your light.
we talk about creative self-adjustment or organismic adjustment. In other words, we learn patterns of adjusting, patterns of responding, and at one point, those patterns become obsolete, and we, if we don't change them, if we don't work on them to modify them to our needs, we get stuck, and then we start developing these terrible habits, and we start making these mistakes that get us into ruts and things that we call disorders. And, you know, then we have to come and help you work out your patterns of adjustment. We deal with things you look at and the things that you don't look at, like ground field theory, all that kind of stuff we're not getting into. But it is no insidiary, no no insidious plan in therapy. Now, there are terrible therapists, just like they're terrible everything. They're bad mechanics, bad doctors, bad teachers. And I shouldn't say bad because it's not a moral thing. But they're terrible. No, uh, let me take that back. <clears throat> there are some who are morally apprehensible. So there are terrible people in all fields. So you can't judge the field by the terrible ones in it. You have to judge it by the magnificent ones in it who live up to the epitome of whatever the medium is that we're talking about. So if you want to judge mechanics, you want to judge it by the top mechanic. If you want to judge mental health, you want to judge by the top mental health practitioners. If you want to judge medicine, you want to judge by the top medical practitioners. Because if you judge anything by the dredge, the bottom feeders, who are barely scraping by as whatever there is, of course it's going to suck. So if you have a sucky therapist or a sucky mechanic or a sucky doctor or a sucky school or a sucky restaurant, go somewhere else. That's all I have to say. So that's what we had to talk about that. And remember, we're just talking about the talking cure. People who are trained listeners and responders can help you work through your stuff. And that's what therapy is about. If you have any questions, please call in 646 668-2574. This is the DIO Radio Network. This is the next chapter, hosted by A-Town and Miss Joy Joy. Miss Joy Joy is taking care of a business, couldn't come in, so A-Town, that's me. I'm hijacking the show and doing whatever I want to. <clears throat> we talked about love, we talked about mental health, and we talked about therapists, and we talked about the different types of therapy, and we talk about the different types of therapists. Of course, this is a grand, gross overview. This is not specific enough for you to go go around and say, I know everything. This was just a big overview, very, very big overview to give you insight. So who should go to therapy? Anybody should go to therapy. When I say anybody, I mean anybody. When I started my master's degree, the first thing my first teacher put out to the class was, if you're a therapist, you need a therapist. <clears throat> because you're going to listen to people day in, day out. You're going to get the best and worst of the world. Hear things, see things, experience things that you probably didn't even think exist except in the movies or on TV. And you're going to hear it and believe I've heard it. I can't tell you based on HIPAA, which is just the um, legal dictate of how your information can be 
you know, stored and disseminated everything that I've heard. But I've heard so much because I've worked with at-risk children. I've worked in populations for people on parole and probation. I've worked in schools, <clears throat> private practice. And, you know, right now I'm at a private practice and we do private practice and we also contract with an IMD. And so I've heard that's an institute for mental dis- um, defect or disorder, depending on, I forgot which one. Uh, it's a hospital for people who've been committed because they're considered gravely disabled. So I've heard everything. When I say everything, I just, I don't mean all inclusive. Like there's nothing else to hear. <coughs> but I've heard every myriad of good and bad. Who should go to therapy? Anybody can go to therapy. You can benefit from it. I don't think anybody would say there's somebody on the planet who will not benefit from having a symbiotic, reciprocated, full attention conversation with someone who's trained to do it and to give feedback. Anybody can benefit from that. So, yeah, come on in. Come get therapy. And, you know, whoever it is, just just come. It's open. Therapy is one of those things <clears throat> that's good. And you don't have to do intense therapy. You don't have to do the psychodynamic therapy, you know, four times a week for five years. There are brief therapies. You know, sometimes people come in and your insurance is only going to pay for five or six months based on your dysfunction. And you're there for five or six months. Hopefully you work through your stuff. You move on. Who needs therapy? There's family therapy, there's couples therapy, and in family therapy, it's every variation. It could be parents and children. You know, it, it could be, you know, one parent or one child, depending on who the IP is, the identified patient or identified patients. You know, there's couples therapy, all of that. So what you need is out there. And, again, a therapist at their best is going to be a skilled listener and communicator who is going to take everything that we've learned about human functioning and use it to help you reach your higher self, become your high, become and live into your higher self, and then make the most out of whatever you're in. And also understand we're not cheerleaders. So if you're in a detrimental, toxic relationship, going to therapy is going to help you recognize it. So if you want to stay in your detrimental, toxic relationship, don't bring it to therapy thinking we're going to cheerlead and find a way for you to stay together. We're going to point out things you need to do to be able to work things out with each other, but we're not going to tell you to stay together because you're, because you're together. Don't think that. I, you know, I have people come in, you need to fix our relationship, you know, or tell us, you know, to stay in it. And I, I'm not going to tell you to stay in it if you should stay in it. But I have an ethical obligation that if I see you going down something I've considered, a path that I consider dangerous and detrimental to your health and your well-being physically and emotionally, I can't just tell you to keep walking on it. So don't come to therapy thinking you're going to get a glorified cheerleader who's just going to tell you what you want to hear. Not going to happen. If you have any questions, 646-668-2574. This is the DIA Radio Network. This is the next chapter. This is A-Town, co-host of the next chapter with my co-host, the lovely Joy Joy, out taking care of her business, so I'm going renegade on this show. And we've talked about love. We've talked about hot topics, including the Second Amendment. <clears throat> and we're talking about mental health right now. 
So, let me sum this up. Everybody can benefit from therapy. It is just a talking cure. No witch doctor stuff, no insidious plan to take over the planet, no more, no trying to make everybody into white people, none of that kind of stuff. Now it is a check and balance system where people are required to be knowledgeable about the body of people that they service. So if someone's in a neighborhood of color, ethically, based on our aspirational goals and some and other some goals that are not aspirational, we are required to know about the people we service. Period. We have an ethical obligation to do that. And if we're not qualified to give services, we are ethically responsible to refer that patient out to someone who is. So don't think if you sit down with somebody and they don't know what you're talking about, you just got to work through it. Ask them, hey, do you know anybody who's good with this population? Whatever population you're part of, can you recommend me to it, I mean to them, so I can get the services I need? And if they service you and they're not competent, they're ethically liable, and that's when their malpractice insurance can help you pay for the rest of your therapy. That's all I'm saying. So, with that, I'm going to tell you a brother who I got hit to, I'm sad to say, after his passing. And I got hit to him because the outpour that came from his passing was overwhelming. And I'm like, who was this dude? Who is this dude? And that's how I got introduced to Nipsey Hussle. And so I'm not going to say I'm a big fan of his music because I'm not, because I don't know it that much. I have only know a couple of songs. And um, I've been busy, but I am going to get Victory Lap because I hear it is the joint. And so I'm going to play it. I'm going to check it out. I mean, the whole the whole CD. But we happen to have the title track for play. So <clears throat> another reason I'm playing with him dealing with mental health is because he was affirmative and he was proactive. He saw what he wanted to do. He acted on it. He did not let the people who didn't believe in him, deter him, and he moved forward. We call that ego strength. He was comfortable in who he was, and his ego was strong enough that he could move through the adversity and still do what he needed to do. He was also philanthropic. He was also empathetic. He was a great dude, and I'm just finding this out. So, no, I'm not a Fairweather fan. I'm learning. And I'm not a big fan of his music yet because I don't know it, but Based off what I learned, I'm a big fan of his life. So um, we're going to um, play the last song, then I'm going to come in. We're going to do our, um, our last-minute um, stuff where we do our promises to each other, which is just me. So I'm going to make two promises, just like Georgia was here. Then, you know, um, talk about, you know, what next week looks like for you, and then we're going to move out. So with that, let's hear it for the late, great Nipsey Hussle with Victory Lap. And that is that. I'm prolific, so gifted. I'm the type that's gonna go get it. No kidding. Breaking down a switch in front of your building. Sitting on the steps, feeling no feelings. 
Last night it was the cold killer. You gotta keep the devil in his house. But you know how it goes. I'm front line every time it's sold. 100 pro flow. Run and shoot pro. 458 drop. Playing bulletproof soul. Every few shows, I just buy some new gold. Circle got smaller, everybody can't go. Downtown Diamond District, jewelers like yo. Hustle, holla at me, I got Cubans on the low. Through the Cancun, smoking Cubans on the boat. Then dock that saloon just to smoke. Look, listening to music at the Maya Ruins. True devotion on the bluest ocean. Cruise. My cultural influence, even revolution. I'm integrated vertically, y'all. Blow it. They tell me, hustle, dumb it down, you might confuse it. It's like that weirdo rap you motherfuckers choose to. I'm an urban legend. South Central in a certain section. Can't express how I curb protection. Justice, evidence of a divine presence. Blessing, held me down at times I seem reckless. Effort, got an L but got an E for effort. Stretch me, dropped him off in the Mojave Desert. Then left me, ain't no answer to these trick questions. Money making nips, straighten out my jewelry on my dresser. Well known, pick up in jail clothes, snatch a champagne bottle from Rico's till T-Show. Whatever, playing chess, not checkers. 38 special for you clever. See, bro, you ain't living down by the street code. Been through all these motions up and down like a seesaw. I can never view you as my equal. Smoke, I want to hear your CD phone. Yes, that was the late great Nipsey Hustle with Victory Lap. So we always end on our promise. We make promises to ourselves. We close everything up. <clears throat> and then we just, you know, head into the sunset. So today we talked about love. We talked about um, guns and the Second Amendment. We talked about mental health. And everything, as the mod says, Know for yourself. Don't let other people dictate 
to you what and how you do. First, find out what's true to you, how you feel, what you need, what you believe in, and then, then make your decision and follow your path. So my promise to myself is, God willing, inshallah, I will live to the highest potential and continue on the path that I'm on to change the world through my education and my art. That's what I'm doing. God willing, inshallah, I'm going to change the world through my art and through my education. So now we come to the end of the next chapter on the D Hour Radio Network. We're here every Friday from 6 to 8 Pacific, and I think that's from, what, 5 to 9 um, or 7 to 9 um, Pacific time, I mean um, Central Standard. I don't know. It's 6 to 8 Pacific Standard time. Wherever you at, <coughs> wherever you at, figure it out from there. So, again, live true to yourself. My promise is that God willing, inshallah, I will live to the highest plateau, form, level of my being and change the world with my art and with my education to all of my people. During Ramadan, yo, God bless you. And I forgot why I think it's Ramadan move forward. I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't want to mess it up. But, hey, <clears throat> keep the faith. Pray for me, whatever faith you are. Pray for me. Pray for my hostess. Pray for the world. Pray for the people dying from these guns. And let's. Let's move on. Let's make this place a better place, as Michael Jackson said, for you and for me. So for the The Hour Network, next chapter, this is A-Town saying, I love everybody. Live your life. Do what you need to do. Go to therapy if you need. We're on um, social media. That's it. The next chapter, I think we're on social, um, on Instagram and on um, Facebook as the next chapter. I don't know. George always set it up, so I'm not sure what it is, but I know we're there. Look us up the next chapter. I'm um, ACL Rucker on Instagram, um, um, Anthony Ruck on Facebook. Yeah, just come check us out the next chapter, always talking about what you need to do to move on to the next chapter of your life steps you need, steps that can be taken, and what it looks like. And so we're going to start having guests on here to really talk talk about this stuff and make it hot. So we're going to leave with something that, I mean, it can sum up everything that we talked about from the Second Amendment to love to mental health, you know, and you can um, broaden this out to a question of all loves in your life. And this is Khalid and Normandy. Tell me where your love lies. Thank you. 
catch my fire mm-hmm. I need a lover to trust, tell me you're on my side Are you down for the ride? It's not easy for someone to catch my eye But I've been waiting for you for my whole damn life My whole lifetime Don't be afraid to tell me If you're down, 